Welcome to I Need Some Air. Bending. A last airbender fan cast from someone who's seen the show before. And someone who has not. I'm Landon Ferguson. And I'm Michael Williams. While at a desert oasis, the group encounters a professor who tells him of a hidden library overseen by a spirit in the desert. Inside, Sokka discovers a crucial weakness of the Fire Nation that has the potential to end the war, the date of an upcoming solar eclipse, which will cripple the Firebender's abilities. The spirit of the library, Wan Shitong, refuses to allow them to leave with the knowledge and sinks the library into the sand. The team narrowly escapes with assistance from Toph, but is devastated by the loss of Appa, who was captured by Sandbenders in their absence. That's a pretty good episode, Landon. I always love this episode. This is a standout of the season for me. And it's got a lot of important moments in it that impact the rest of the show, let alone the season. Yeah, for me, this is a pretty emotional episode. There's some pretty good stakes in this episode because we see we see Appa is captured and the gang no longer has Appa, who is their mode of transportation. And we see them learn some crucial information about how to defeat the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Landon, but uh, I really liked the spirit of the library, Wan Shitong. And there are points where I completely agree with him and his assessment of the humans. Yeah, it's very interesting to see this completely neutral party that doesn't really care that the Fire Nation has been in control of this hundred year war. It's like to him, war's just war. It's always going to happen, but to use his knowledge just to gain an advantage, no matter who it is, is like sacrilege to him. Yeah. He had the perspective of everyone who comes here believes that their war that they're fighting is justified and that they are right. And at the end of it all, you use the knowledge in my library to further your battle and you do unspeakable evil against others and i completely understand why he's just like i I don't like that that you use my knowledge to do evil and he he just doesn't care who's right and who's wrong because to him they're all wrong they're all the same and we see in this episode i mean Sokka does exactly that he looks for information to destroy the fire nation Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess without context, it, it is an evil act. If you look at it objectively, that, that is an evil act. Yeah, it really makes you think. This episode really showcases the realities of war in a way we haven't seen lately. I mean, it even starts out with Sokka talking about how they need a plan, they need a strategy to defeat the Fire Nation. And it's like, that sounds great until... You then get the perspective of Wan Chitong. He almost has this way of making you think that even if they win this war, it doesn't matter. There'll be another one later, and someone else will come back to the library looking for information, and that person believes they're justified. I mean, it kind of is something the show hasn't really explored yet, but the Fire Nation, if you think about it, most likely believes they're justified in their war, or at least started out that way. Yeah. Because we see in this episode, Wang Chitong specifically talks about 
why he decided to restrict his knowledge. And it's a flashback to Admiral Zhao, who came in and discovered the knowledge about how to kill the moon, which is what we saw in the finale of season one. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, Admiral Zhao came in, he discovered knowledge about when to strike the Northern Water Tribe at their most weakest. And in this episode, Sokka comes in and discovers the virtually the same thing. When to strike the Fire Nation while at their weakest. So I completely understand Wang Shitong saying, like, you are no different. Like, you all come in here and do the same thing. Because Sokka and, and Zhao really came in and discovered the same knowledge and were going to use it the same way. What do you think about the show using Admiral Zhao in this way? Like, either they planned on the library all along, or they found an opportunity to make Zhao's knowledge make sense. It's hard to say, because they could have very well planned it out. Even when they were doing season one finale, and he made, he makes mention of the line, I wouldn't discover this knowledge. They could have had this in mind, or it could very well be they made up the library for this season, and they discovered, oh, we can fit this piece of information into this. So it's kind of that, it's not that they planned everything out, they just happened to weave the story in a way to where Previous, they can add previous things into it and make it all make sense. Mm-hmm. Where it's not necessarily it's planned out to the T. They just luck out, for lack of a better term. They managed to craft a story in a way to where everything that happened before makes sense. I like to think that it's planned out because it it all seems just too perfect to think like. Well, if the waterbenders can be weakened by the absence of the moon, then we can do the same thing to the Fire Nation. Oh, what about an eclipse? Our team needs to find this knowledge, you know, so we need an ancient library, and that's the same place Zhao came from. Like, it all... In these situations, I think you want to believe that it's planned out because it shows that the people making the show that you are invested in are just as invested in making it. So yeah, no matter what show, anytime something like this happens, it is uh it's always nice to see. And on that same subject, there's a shot of an artwork in this episode that I saw that immediately jumped out at me and it wouldn't mean anything to you, but there's a scene where they pick up a piece of paper with a what Aang calls a lion turtle drawn on it. And it's this solo human figure standing in front of a lion turtle and i immediately like paused my tv and went back just to look at it again that is a classic example of the other end of planning which is finding an opportunity to take something you had done before and making it make sense in a future project which you'll see one day in legend of korra okay i'll look forward to that so, this is pretty much a Sokka episode, which I feel like it's been a while since we've had one. Yeah, definitely a Sokka episode. I guess the last episode that featured him prominently would be the Avatar Day episode. Yeah. Or, it, I say featured, more, more utilized 
mm-hmm. in the story. It was definitely a refresher from last episode of him being stuck in a hole like a wimp. <laughs> yes. But this episode would not be as important in the plot of the show without Sokka. Because it's Sokka who wants a strategy to defeat the Fire Nation. He's even looking for Fire Nation maps, which they can't find for some reason. We find out later that Zhao burned all the papers in the library, and that could have something to do with the Fire Nation maps missing. But it's Sokka who wants to go to the library for this reason, and it's Sokka's dedication that got the information about the Eclipse in the first place. Yeah, can we can we talk about the fact that the place was sinking, and Sokka tried who knows how many dates in that machine... When he figured out when the eclipse was, he said it was in a few months' time. So let's say that's three or four months. Mm-hmm. 30 days apiece. That is hmm, 90 to 120 dates that he tried <laughs> while it was sinking. And Wan Shitong was chasing Katara and Momo and the professor who led them to the library. <laughs> that, was a, that was the only thing that felt off to me about the episode. It's like, this... This takes a long time, unless unless their calendar is completely different than ours. That's the only way it makes sense to me, but that was the only thing in this episode where it's just... This seems like it's taking a really long time, and the place is currently sinking. Like, if they did it... If he figured that out before it started sinking, I wouldn't have an issue with it, but it was because while it was sinking, where it... It was hard to suspend your disbelief a little bit during that scene, at least for me. So I would argue that he maybe checked every five dates or something like that, because you could probably sort of see the tracking of the sun and the moon on the dials, you know, every day getting closer and closer to each other till they finally overlap. So maybe you skip a couple here and there, like every five, until you finally get close, and then it's like, then you start checking every day. Until they overlap with each other. I mean, I guess, but how long do you think it took Sokka to figure that out? I mean, it didn't take them long to figure out how the machine worked or what it was meant for. So, I mean, I could see them realizing it pretty quickly. Well, it was just Sokka and Aang at that point. Yeah, but they already knew how the machine worked. Alright. Alright. I I thought about that too, but it doesn't bother me. I can sort of logic it away in my own head canon, I guess. Well, I cannot. But I was fully expecting Katara to get out of the library on her own. I forgot that she was still stuck there until Aang and Sokka came back. Oh, poor Katara getting yeah. chased by a giant owl. Poor Katara and Momo. Let's not forget about poor Momo. Yeah. And Professor Zay. Who uh did Professor Zay die? I don't know. Because I know the library is supposedly part of the spirit world, but Zay is a human. I don't I don't understand how he expects to be alive in this library. Also, yeah. when he's when he tells the kids to leave him in the library, they turn and go out like without a second thought. They're just like, bye. Like they, they don't regard the fact that they may be killing this man. I mean, I think it was clear that he wasn't going to come, and if they stayed any longer, none of them were getting out. That's fair enough. But the spirit world stuff in this show is confusing at times. 
and I guess not confusing, but just more a lot to keep up with because there's stuff about going into the spirit world by meditating, so you're there spiritually, or physically walking into the spirit world, or dying in the spirit world, and, and you know, then you can't bend in the spirit world, and so I think maybe we'll get some sort of logic in the show that's like, oh, that's probably what happened to Professor Zay, but as of right now, I just can't remember what the rules are for the spirit world. He may be alive, he may be you know, eternally locked in stasis or something in the library where he did, doesn't die but can't come back to the physical world. I just don't remember. Yeah, that was just, uh, that's very frightening to be buried in sand. Yeah. It's like um, the 90s Jungle Book movie. <laughs> if you if you remember that movie, there's a part where one of the, the marauders or the, the treasure hunters, Mowgli leads him into a room. Apparently the room is surrounded by walls of sand. And so every time he, the marauder shoots his gun, he keeps hitting like things of sand. So sand just keeps pouring into the room. And I guess something happens where like the door starts to close and Mowgli just escapes and gets out. But the other dude is trapped in there with sand and he, he, get, he gets buried alive and he dies on sand. And that scene haunted me as a kid. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you've actually seen that movie, Michael. I love that movie. It's like, I I don't think you understand. Like, Yes, it, it was terrifying. There's so many deaths in that movie that, like, frightened me. The snake, Ka, the big yeah. boa constrictor. Yeah, the, the snake frightened me. The quicksand one frightened me. All right, well, since now that we're done with our Jungle Book fan cast, we can get back to our Avatar fan cast. Which you can hear on our Patreon. <laughs> Yeah, overall, I think Sokka did a great job in this episode, mm-hmm. and it, it really was his story for the most part. It's episodes like this, too, that showcase how important Aang's friends are with him, because if Aang was by himself, he might not have even found the library, let alone been determined enough to get this information. Yeah. So, I want to talk about Toph in this episode. Because she has probably one of the most heartbreaking scenes in this show, probably, overall. It's it's one of the most memorable moments for me. And it's that she is holding up the library as it's sinking back into the desert. And sandbenders show up to steal Appa, and she can't do anything about it. She has a scene where she explains that the sand makes everything fuzzy for her. She can't see and she's having to hold on to this library, and then it's heartbreaking enough to see that she can't let go of it, but then when she does, she can only blindly throw sand and is just completely missing and just has to give up on Appa and hold the library or none of them are coming back. Yeah, it's definitely a hard scene to watch, especially for Toph, who's who's only been a part of the gang for, I think, three episodes at this point mm-hmm. and it, it's a it's a pretty big physical and emotional test for her and we see when ang and Sokka and katara they escape and ang immediately notices that appa isn't there he says where's appa and toff can't even look at him can't even tell him what happened mm-hmm. so yeah it's a it's a hard scene to watch um, one question i do have 
What are sandbenders technically? Are they earthbenders? So, yeah, I definitely wanted to get into the sandbenders. They are earthbenders that just sort of are like desert raiders, I guess. Okay. I mean, they're they're just they're just earthbenders. All right, okay. Perhaps you could say that their skill in bending sand is very specialized and fine-tuned that maybe like if you brought some other earthbender in, they could move the sand around, but maybe wouldn't be as skilled in it. Maybe that's just a thing of their environment. Kind of like how the swamp benders had a little bit of a special skill in bending the water in the vines. But, I mean, we saw Toph was able to throw sand, but it's just not her specialty, let alone the fact that she's blind. Yeah. The sand benders, they were able to bend it in a way to propel their sand boats forward Mm -hmm. and the way they did it it made it look like to me that they were air benders it almost has a little bit of a hybrid airbender earthbender kind of feel to it for sure but that's not possible in the world of avatar so it can only be that they just are moving it so quickly to make little tornadoes i mean technically let's say a waterbender could make a sheet of ice and you know flap it around in the air and move air that way but it's they're still just bending water so yeah but i think it's a it's an interesting subset to see so we have a subset for earthbending and i I don't know maybe it's not really a subset because it's like they're earthbenders that just happen to be in a desert but i like the variety in the culture i guess yeah yeah overall i do like the idea of there being subsets of each respective bending style Mm -hmm. and I guess their motivation for stealing Appa is fairly obvious. He's just a rare animal. Make a quick buck off of him. Yeah, a rare sky bison. Mm-hmm. And for all we know, he's the last of his kind. So, world development. A couple things off the bat. The library, which was described as a spirit library, I was wondering, was that going to mean that it was crafted by the spirits? And that turned out to be true. That's a detail I always kind of forget. I always remember the owl and the foxes and all this, but I didn't know if they were just guarding it. But they actually did build the library themselves, brought it from the spirit world into the physical, and were collecting tomes and knowledge. But I guess one of the major details is the eclipse. And we find out that there's been one before. It was the darkest day in Fire Nation history. Which we don't really know what that means. Like, it was literally dark, but like, what era was that? Do we ever find out what, what that day was? I don't remember. I feel like yes, but that's something we're going to have to definitely keep an eye out for going forward. But now they have the date of a new eclipse, and it's going to take away the firebender's ability to bend fire. It sounds like completely. Yeah. What it sounds like to me is the opposite of the strategy against the water tribes, mm-hmm. where a lunar eclipse means that the waterbenders are at their lowest point. A solar eclipse means that the firebenders are at their lowest point. Mm-hmm. It's a nice air of balance, is what it felt like to me, at least between Fire Nation and the water tribes. It's hard for me to think about if there's any equivalent for the air nation or the earthbenders. Yeah. There may not be. And Sokka points out that the eclipse does come before Sozin's Comet. And anything after Sozin's Comet is... He basically says, try not to think about it. 
Yeah. But how long is an eclipse? Ten minutes? If that, five total? Yeah, they're not long. You gotta, you gotta strike. It's hope, but it's a very tiny window. Yeah. And I guess one last thing of world building is that Zhao burned all the books about the Fire Nation so that no one could do what he did and gain information on how to defeat them. Yeah, that is what it looked like. They don't know for certain it's Zhao, but I'm willing to bet it was Zhao since they specifically showed him in the flashbacks. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet. And in our plot development, not only do they have this information about the Eclipse, but Sokka states at multiple times that they need to get this information to the Earth King. Yes, at Ba Sing Se. So we now have a journey. We have a clear place to travel to now. And before we move forward, what are your thoughts on, like, why the Earth King? I mean, I would say the Earth King because... At this point, Omashu has fallen, and Ba Sing Se is the only stronghold left in the Earth Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it makes sense. Okay, we'll just go to the Earth King at Ba Sing Se and give him this information, because clearly they have withheld from Fire Nation forces, so they would be very formidable. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Them being the last stronghold left, combined with the knowledge that we know there is no air nomads anymore, though we've seen what the Water Tribe is, and most of their soldiers have now gone to the front lines, and there's no one left at the Southern Water Tribe. So the Earth Kingdom is literally the last formidable force. Yeah. And the other bit of plot development is now they have this information, but no way to get it there because Appa is gone. We have, we have lost Appa. It was a sad day. And they are literally stranded in the middle of the desert. Yeah, that's that's rough. Right when they get an ark, they lose their only mode of transportation. In the middle of a desert. Yep. I feel like that's just good riding, though. That is pretty good riding. It's fairly dark riding. Mm-hmm. But, um, I have a feeling the show's gonna start getting a little darker. Yeah, I feel like now that we have this clear plan, like something for the group to shoot for... This is the moment that the season really kicks off. Not that it hasn't been awesome up to this point, but it throws the show into the deep end now. Alright, well that's going to do it for us this week. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please leave us a review, tell a friend, subscribe if you're so inclined. It'll all help out the podcast a lot. And thank you so much for listening. Alright, Michael. Tell us what next week's episode is about. Next week's episode is episode 11, The Desert. Aang searches for Appa, while Katara struggles to keep everyone together so they can survive in the vast desert. Alright, so they're picking up right after this episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to watch the group struggle to get around and get by without Appa. And I imagine we're also going to have to see Aang grieve the loss mm -hmm. of Appa, and I imagine he's going to be very angry. Yeah, we've seen what happens to Aang when the people he cares about are in danger or hurt or wronged or whatever, and uh, it usually involves the Avatar state, so 
I feel like it'll be up to Qatar to keep him grounded in a way that gets them at least back to safety. Yeah, that's that's more than likely what's going to happen. How big an arc are you expecting the loss of Appa to be? I mean, we know he's not in next episode, so what? I'm guessing, what, three or four episodes? Just because this is such an interesting dynamic, it would kind of be a waste for them to get rid of it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So we see next episode, he, I don't think he comes back. But they bring, if they bring him back the episode after that, I would think that would be kind of, that's rather quick. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I'm looking three to four episodes. Maybe five. And we will just see how it goes. All right. Join us next week for our discussion of The Desert.